Hey everybody, welcome to Top 5 Movies. It's John Burke here with Michael Sanchez. Good evening. And Corey Starr. Hello, hello. Thought I'd mix it up and switch the order. Um, I know you threw me off. I am fresh out of the Florida Film Festival weekend number one, having watched six movies. Um, but the big one, the one that has inspired this week's topic, uh, was last night. And I got to attend the screening of Back to the Future. Which and is, show off your Calvin Kleins. And I did not show those off. Those were kept no. in my pants, sir. Um, yes. However, not okay, only was <laughs> Back to the Future screened, um, which I think is the first time I saw the original one on the big screen. I, I'm pretty sure I saw two and three in the theater, though. Um, but I haven't seen that in the theater since I was a kid either. But um, I don't think I ever got to see the first one in the theater. So I got to see Back to the Future on the big screen. But bigger was it was introduced by Leah Thompson. And she later came back out and did a Q&A, um, first uh, more of an interview at, to start with. Um, and she said some cool things about the movie that I didn't know. For one, did you guys know what the, the time machine was originally going to be made out of? Um, I thought there was a phone thing they were going to do. Well, according to her, and I have not fact-checked this at all, so this is from Leah Thompson. And I feel like if there's going to be a source I can just kind of take at, you know, for her word... I feel like she's a good one. At least she was at the, the, you know, in the process of making it. But supposedly the original design was going to be a refrigerator. Mm. Weird. Well, I'll bet they didn't want to do it because they thought kids would jump in. That is exactly oh. what she said. It was like, that's not a good idea because we don't want to put kids in their heads that they can jump in the refrigerator in time travel. Because they might travel, but not in time. Um, and uh, yeah. Yeah. Those, that that's joke right. was mine, not hers. But um, not that it was good. Just pointing out. Um she, but she was uh, really interesting. They talked about some kind of wonderful, um, which I, I didn't know. Do you, do you know she married the director from some kind of wonderful? That's her husband still today. Uh, still today. Wow. Uh, I think Denise Howard is his name, if I'm not mistaken. Um, wow. Dang. It's kind of amazing. Um, actually, yeah. I've watched a little bit of some kind this, of wonderful. Uh, I forget what it was on. They had it running on Facebook Live, and I was just amazed how young she looks. Yeah, she she has aged very well. Um, she's still doing a bunch of stuff. I mean, she's if you look at her credits, she's got like 87 credits um, for acting alone. And um, oh, I'm sorry. I guess it's Howard du- Deutsch. I totally messed up. Oh, the name. you broke up her marriage already. How I dare you? Stink. Um, but he's got to be a Me. bit older than her. Um, yeah, he's, he's only 11 years older than her. That's not too bad. It's my oh, mom and dad's age. Ooh, she was five when he. No, she was seven when he graduated high school. Okay, that's a little. That's a little. No, you're just making it weird. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, she was. It was a really good interview. Um, it was cool getting to see Back to the Future. Obviously, you know, the crowd was intense. There was one kid though, who uh, I I didn't talk to him, but I couldn't help but notice him because he was dressed up like Marty from Back to the Future Two, um, rocking the hat and had a legit looking hoverboard, like the replica from the movie like i was like jealous about it i was like man i really wonder if i can just take did, it but i didn't did uh, you, you should have you grabbed I, it was i considered it the or was it the girly one it was the it girly was one it was the the, oh. the mattel that he took the the handlebars off of but um still like i mean it's a hoverboard it didn't work apparently but you know still um but i, I didn't i did have to leave before the audience got to start asking questions 
um, because I had an hour drive home and it was a school night, so I had to be responsible. But I did get to hear most of the interview, and that was it was great. Um, you know, she had definitely a lot of love for the film. Still, she talked about the Eric Stoltz, um, you know, connection because I guess she's in the a movie mm-hmm. before Back to the Future. I can't think of what that one was called. Something with Wild, I think, in the name or something like that. Um, and then Back to the Future. Wild. What is it? Wildlife. I think so. And then um, some kind of wonderful, which if most people I think have heard about the Eric Stoltz version of Back to the Future that almost happened, um, where Michael J. Fox would not have been Marty, but Eric Stoltz would have been, and it would have been a much darker tone um, than the film that we got. And pretty glad and they made the change. He had the weird shaped head and like a weird mullet and a biker mom, and Cher was his biker mom. Oh, really? I, know, I didn't know about Cher. Oh, never mind. My oh. mask reference is lost. Time. Ah, yeah, yeah, it is. I apologize. <laughs> But um, he was wearing all black, though. He had no no uh, life preserver, as Marty's you know said that he's wearing and all that. But um, glad they went that way because again, it's a it's a great movie, and that I think leads us to our topic. Um, our topic this week is something we're going to be doing uh, periodically throughout the time that the show's on. But this episode time is Did you say time. It's not time. We've already done time uh, or time travel at least. It is uh, our favorite movies from the eighties. So. One thing we're going to do throughout the the time of the show is we're going to do decades. And then at some point, we'll start doing individual years. Like our favorite, our top five films from 1985, for example, could have been for this. Um, But we're going to do the 80s to start off with a big pool. Um, There is a chance that maybe we haven't seen five movies from 85 or something like that. Um, Although, when I was looking for my movie list for this, I've seen a bunch of movies from the 80s for sure. And I did have a lot to uh, narrow down was not easy for me. I don't know how you guys felt. Ten years is a long time to take your top five from. Yeah. And I feel like I'm going to have some overlap on previous lists, but I don't care. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I... exactly. I went in trying to not have overlap, but there was no way that I could make this mm-hmm. without that because. I had a slight rule for mine, though. Just like, Ew. I mean, I thought, well, I don't want to just keep it to one genre, so I tried to. Ah, that's interesting. I went a different direction because um, I, I have like favorite movies from the 80s, but I picked not just favorites, but ones that I felt like I watched the most, like movies that I kept rewatching mm-hmm. or will rewatch. <laughs> um, I, I decided to put on my list with that. My, that was kind of my criteria that I did for myself, um, thinking that it would. It's like they earn the spot because they've either been seen by me so many times or they're films that I am, um, if they are on, I'm likely to watch regardless uh, of what I'm doing, that kind of thing. So that was kind of how I filtered out the stuff because, again, I think there are much better movies than some of the ones that I picked, but these are the ones that I think I I love the most from the 80s. I think that that my list could kind of fall into that too. Well, then... um, with that, I think we will jump into our list. Mike is going to go first this week, but before he goes, Corey has a little warning. Dun, dun, dun. Spoiler warning. You can check out our list at BerkReviews.com to see what we have before we talk about it, because we might talk about them in great detail, but also, unless you're very young, you've probably either seen these movies or heard about them. So, there you go. All right. So, Mikey, what do you have for your top five movies from the 80s, number five? All right. Well, like I said, I feel like I'm going to have some overlap, but I did try to diversify my portfolio. And I actually, now that I look at it, I think every single one of them will be one that uh, it's like you described where we watch it and we'll have to just stop everything and rewatch it if it happens to come on. Mm. So heaven forbid that something 
comes on this year, we got to have something important going on. But um, um, so, oh, yeah, my other thing I was going to ask, how many do you think you will not oh. recognize from my list? Interesting. Um, <sighs> we're how doing... many do you think you'll know from my list? There you go. I was going to say, which which way are we going? Three. Corey thinks three. Um, I, I don't want to pick the same number, so I'm going to go, I'm going to go, f- I think I'll know four of your movies. Three and one cent. Oh, wait, that's not. <laughs> oh. No prices right. right here, guys. So All I'm right, saying so I, I'll know four of them. And by no, we mean we've seen, right? You'll know them. Just know them? All right, I'm going back to 1984, and my pick is, and if you know me, which you two should, it's the Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very poorly received at, in its time. Like at least one or two of mine on my list were. In fact, it's. I was looking at the IMDb rating. I think it's only got, uh, I want to say 6.4 out of 10. But you know what? I don't care about that rating because this is one that I would watch over and over. I probably rented it. I don't like. You know, this is a time when mom and pop VHS stores were up and around. And so let's see, 84, so somewhere between 85 and 90, I would have rented this un- uh, countless numbers of times because I I should have just bought it. In fact, I should buy it now. I think it's currently available on, is it Amazon Prime? Prob- oh, okay. Yes, that's where uh, I've been meaning to watch it, but yes. Okay, yeah, but I mean... RoboCop before he was RoboCop, John Lithgow, Ellen Barkin, Jeff Goldblum, uh, Christopher Lloyd, who, uh, Robert Ito. He was in Robert Ito. I think was in uh, early late seventies, early eighties. Tapping his name because I think he was on Quincy. Yes, he was on Quincy. Uh, who else? Clancy Brown um, just plays. Basically, if you don't know the premise of it, it. Uh, Buckaroo Banzai is an extremely talented neurosurgeon and adventurer and a rock musician, and he and his gang of, not gang because they're not bad guys, uh, Hong Kong Cavaliers stop, you know, are crime fighters, and they have different chapters all over the country, and there's lots of little little goofy bits of humor, all the aliens, because that's what they're fighting off as an alien, invasion from the eighth dimension, which he accidentally finds out using his oscillation over th- oscillation over, over thruster and he, he drives through a mountain that happens right at the beginning because he's supposed to be testing i think it's land speed test uh, of a vehicle but then he takes it off course and does his own thing and drives right through and happens upon you know the eighth dimension which brings uh, earth has already kind of been and watched by these particular aliens and um all their first names are john and and it's not a bad name, but it's either John Big Boutet or <laughs> John Smallberries or John Horfin. Oh. Yeah, they're all, and they put it together, and uh, this is a spoiler too, because it takes a little bit before you realize the engine during the broadcast of War of the Worlds, the infamous broadcasts that supposedly Orson Welles had people convinced that it was real. And so they slipped in that way, and people didn't realize, and as, as a result, they kind of stick, stuck around. To huh. us, to the normal human eye, they appear like regular humans. Well, as regular as they are going to look. And then once you get a certain shock, they have this kind of almost lizard-like. It's tough to describe. It's kind of like um, Admiral Akbar Jr. because they don't have the full-on bug eyes. It's like the, like the starter kit for for <laughs> Mon Calamari. 
sort of. Oh man. And um, so it goes from there. And let's see. Uh, I don't know if he was an inspiration for me to play trumpet, but that he played a little pocket cornet, and I've been wanting to get a pocket uh, trumpet for a long time. There's lots of little things. It's it's definitely not for everyone, but it just clicked with me. And it's uh, I know my son has watched it. My daughter hasn't quite gotten there. John, my John. Ooh, I don't know if I intentionally did that or subconsciously <laughs> named him John. Um, you know, he's my movie buddy, so he has watched at least bits and pieces of it. So, And it's pretty clean. I mean, there's some dis- disturbing alien-like parts, but nothing, you know, crazy. So he's watched it quite a, quite a bit ago. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think. Else? Just there are lots of little bits of humor, dry humor. And just think of Peter Weller. He's perfect, so perfect for the role. I wish, because they even teased at the end, and this is not a big spoiler, but if you, it's gosh, the thing's been around thirty years. Uh, keep an keep an eye out for, or be on the lookout for Buckaroo Banzai versus the World Crime League. And you know, we're like still waiting. Yeah, you know, it's and, never gonna happen. Well, we're sadly. supposed to be getting a series, right? Kevin Smith is supposed that to is be helming true. something. I haven't seen anything about it. But Although I don't know if uh, this—I don't mean to go news all of a sudden—but I just read an article. Um, the Writers Guild is uh, threatening to strike mm. again on May first if they don't get their uh, the increase in pay and better health benefits. Um, so you know, there's talk that The Walking Dead would be delayed. Season eight would be delayed. Um, and immediately all the talk shows will go um, back to reruns as they're written daily and there will be no writers to write them. So um, again, again, it's been about 10 years, right? Because lost season yeah, four, I think it was when um, it was either three or four when they went on strike uh, mid season. And, um, you know, it was it was it hurt for a while. We had, you know, a lot of shows suffered quality. Um, and, you know, obviously there was a big gap in in the seasons because of that. So. Uh, hopefully they won't allow the writers to have to to strike. I don't blame them for striking. I hope uh, they can meet an agreement. Yeah, I mean, no, I don't blame them at all. I'm with you. I just, it's funny how underappreciated sometimes people, certain people in certain roles are mm-hmm. until you don't have them there. Yeah, yep. And that's, you know, uh, so if that that could be a delay with, if I don't know what the, the status is of the show with Kevin. He's got so many different projects running or starting or, you know, in in flux at the moment that I don't know if he's actually going to end up going through with that or not. It's possible nobody picked it up, like the idea wasn't picked up or whatever. But that one felt like it was being pitched by a studio rather than him pitching it mm-hmm. to a studio. So, mm-hmm. um, unless I misunderstood what he was saying, but um, well, I, I think I think it was fortunate too because he happened to be, uh, and that's so funny because we heard the same podcast mm-hmm. that he is such a huge fan of it, and then have it be presented to him with you know when does that how often does that happen yeah not not so. nearly often enough apparently but um it's a movie that i've been meaning to watch now for over a year uh, i need to get to it before prime pulls it off um i know Corey's in the same boat as me right yeah so, sorry i feel like such a disappointment well i mean i've got now uh, the pressures on because I, I have to hit each of your next four movies i mean i would have known this one or i i know this one i've not like i've heard of this obviously but I think it, we mean that we've seen the movies on your list because that is usually how you stump <laughs> us. So I've not seen it, but uh, definitely a, a, not a surprise. I expected it to be on your list. Um, okay, I think I will go second. We didn't decide that, but I think I'm going to go ahead and hop in here, Corey. Hope you're w- cool with last. Dip- Diplomatic. Oh, wait, no, nice guy's finished. Wow. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. All right. Well, 
Um, it's funny because now I would say I am not a sports fan, but I've always been a fan of sports films and uh, particularly sports comedies. They've, they've always really stuck with me. And um, from 1989, Major League is a film that I watched fairly uh, regularly growing up. And it's one that if it's if I happen to catch that it's on, I'm going to sit and watch it. Um, it is, uh, you know, a baseball comedy about the Cleveland Indians who have been struggling um, for a while. And they're at the point um, if they don't have a winning season, the team is going to be moved out of Cleveland. And that's what the owner wants. So she gets the worst players imaginable on her team. Um you know, the worst of the professional players for the most part. There's a few rookies um, to make a team that will lose so she can move it to a better spot. I think she wants to move it to Miami, if I remember correctly. And uh, so it stars Tom Berenger as the old veteran catcher, Charlie Sheen as the uh, out-of-prison pitcher, Corbin Burnson and um, James Gammon, and uh, young Wesley Snipes as uh, Willie Mays Hayes, who is one of my favorite characters. Um it gets great performances got, out of everybody, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun. I totally forgot Renee Russo was in this. Oh, yes. She plays the love interest of um, Tom yeah. Berenger. And I, I don't know. I've always enjoyed the film. Um, there's a lot of great, like, quotable lines and uh, very memorable characters. In fact, I actually like the second movie, too. Nowhere near as much. Uh, the first one is definitely superior, but I enjoy the second one for what it is. Um, it, they did have to recast uh, Wesley Snipes, unfortunately, in the second movie. Um, and that, that hurts. That's too big. Yeah. But, um, yeah, 89, uh, Major League, just just made it into the decade. Almost was 90, but um, it's a film. I don't know how many times I've watched this. I've seen it way too many times. And it's, again, like, if, if I happen to see it on, they don't rerun it nearly as often as they used to. Mm-mm. But when I see it on, it's it's going to get watched um, almost guaranteed. Were, were you ever a fan of – well, before I get to that, my, my question, because this – I, I'm like you. I don't watch sports, but if it's a the right sports film, mm-hmm. uh, I'll definitely jump in. Like Moneyball, mm. I remember reading a good bit of the novel of the not novel because it's actually based on you know it's from it's a reality, uh, from like truth. A, it's a true story. Yeah, and I just that's one that I will jump in and mm. watch just because that movie Jonah Hill's got such a different role. Yeah, it's fantastic. I actually just watched that for the first time last year. Um, like there's a a few sports comedies that really stick with me. Like I love the replacements, even though it's Keanu oh, Reeves. Yeah. But I and John Favreau in that movie is hilarious. Um, I, I really really enjoy Orlando Jones in that movie too. Like it, I really like the replacements a lot. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. Yeah. Just sports comedies. Uh, like I don't like all. Like I I never really got into Necessary Roughness. Like I watched it. It was fine, but I never loved it. Um. Well, um. Draft Day. Draft Day. The Kevin Costner one. I haven't seen. Okay, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. Any given Sunday, oh. definitely got hoo Yeah, that one's so it. over the top, though. <laughs> it is, but I said, well, it's Oliver St- yeah. over the top. That's like yeah. Oliver Stone's middle name. It is, totally. Oddly um, enough, it, that that segues into something else. Um, but I, I literally just watched W. Um, oh, yeah. Oliver, and I was just kind of astounded how it was not really over the top. But I don't want to digress. But were you ever? Yeah. Um, did you ever watch uh, Mr. Belvedere? I did. Yeah. I, okay. Because Bob Uecker was buying, and his announcing is like it's just oh, yeah. the way he did it. And then, God, yeah, I thought he was great in that yeah. little bit role. There's actually um, Hank and Zaria. Uh, I think I'm saying his name correctly. Um, most famous for The Simpsons, but he's been in tons of movies. He's a great character actor. Um, he's he's got a show on right now that his he's playing like a baseball announcer. I think it's a period piece. Um, I think it's also based on a real guy, but it reminds me of that that character from Major League. 
Um, I haven't got to see the show yet, but the trailer, the commercials I've seen for it look really funny, and it's getting pretty good reviews from what I've seen. Um, so I might have to check that out based because of this movie. Not to digress too much from Major League, but it is a film that kind of, I think it might have been the first sports comedy that I really got into as a kid, and I stuck with it like for a long time. Like I mean, I would watch it all the time. Like this and The Sandlot were like my baseball movies because I was really into baseball Love in middle school. Uh, you can you can roast me. I've I've yet to see. I know oh, some movies, but I've never watched. Dude, it. you have to show John that movie. Like I I bought it a few years ago on DVD just to show Taylor, like because it's so great. Um, uh, let's see, I, it it never I never grew up. I know. I, I, that one is like these baseball goonies to me because mm. I just didn't. I can see I don't that. Know. It's it's Colon, gaps in knowledge. I would say it's better than the Goonies. I'm sure some people will be very mad at me for that, but I love the Sandlot. Like there, I still to this day, oh. if someone says forever, I have to go forever. Um, from that movie, like that's still to this day a thing I do from the Sandlot because it's so ingrained in my personality at this point. Um, I saw that in the theater. Yeah, I think Sandlot. I did too. I, I think... feel like I should actually talk a little. Yeah, you haven't said much. Uh, have you seen Major League? <laughs> I haven't seen that since I was very young. So I remember it was funny. I remember the main characters, and then that's kind of it. Yeah. Um. There's actually I didn't I mentioned the sequel, but there's actually a third movie called Major League oh. Back to the Miners, which was a straight to DVD starring Scott Bakula. Um. It has some of the same cast Scott members. Bakula. Um. But it's a minor Bakula. league team. Yeah. It's 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 pretty brutal. It's. It has some of the, the, the recurring jokes from the movies. And again, it did bring some of the characters because they got sent to the minors. Um, and so Corbin Burnson stuck in there. Yeah, he's um, I th- he was the owner of the Indians in the second movie. And I think he is the, the he's some kind of owner type figure in the third one. But um, sorry, the movie gets the kiss of death, because if you don't know who Ted McGinley is, he single handedly destroyed some of beloved TV shows in his day. That's uh, that's Jefferson Darcy, right, from Married Children, or no? I believe so. I think. Well, is that, do I have the wrong person? Hold on, I'm checking Ted McGinley. Yeah, yeah, man, that's Jefferson Darcy. I, he was great on Married Children, um, but he has done some crap movies. I mean, and given some, you know, over the not over the top, but he's very singular in his style when he does things. But um, was he in Back to the Miners? Yes. I don't even yes, see. He was. He's probably the villain. Just looking through. He's probably he played uh, Leonard Huff, whoever that character. Is. Yeah, I've only I think I've only seen that one maybe twice, um, but yeah, it's it's old school and uh, but not necessary. I do think Major League Major League Two are both worth watching. Major League One definitely a superior film, but there's good stuff in two. Charlie Sheen does a pretty great job in those movies. Um, but all right, let's uh, go to Corey's number five. Okay, so I just gotta run in here with a girl movie, even it out. Um, so I know I've talked about pretty much every single movie on my list. I tried not to include those movies, but I couldn't. And my number five is 1987 Sturdy Dancing. Oh. Um, I actually was talking about this movie with my friend slash hairdresser on Saturday. And I have had She's Like the Wind in my head since then, since two o'clock on Saturday. I'm not even mad about it. Nope. Um, I had this movie on VHS both at my parents' house when I was very young and shouldn't have been watching it. But someone also did that illegal thing and made me a copy on another VHS so I could watch it at my grandpa's house when he babysat me. And I know I was one of those annoying children that just knew Rewind, didn't even let it rewind all the way, and then press play. Yeah. Um, I think all of us were like that. Like, I I burnt out Encino Man um, 
on VHS that way, like just rewatching it over and over again. You are the people that weakened those cassette tapes in those <laughs> spots because of doing that. Yep. It was very important that I watched this movie a lot. Um, I don't really know what else to say about it. I've I haven't seen it in a while. I tried to get my husband to take me to the anniversary screening last year, and he wouldn't have it. Oh, I see, don't know why. That's oh. funny. I was the opposite. I Nobody was all for going. Corey in the corner. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, and I didn't have a friend that was available to go with me. I could have just gone by myself, but for some reason I didn't that day. Um, but I love Patrick Swayze, and I love all the dancing in it, and I just think it's great. Isn't this one, and, and I think we'll be on all in agreement, that is, they're trying to get done on TV again. Yeah. I just saw the Gross. article about it yesterday, and yeah, yeah no. Gross. Should they not just happen. as soon stylize it uh, the way Christina Aguilera did Dirty, the D R R R T Y, because oh, that's what I feel <laughs> that they're trying to put this out. Well, this should be left alone. I mean, don't they don't they remember Havana Nights? Like they've tried to rehash this story. It's 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 great as it was. <laughs> I, I can forgive Romola Garay. Garay, I can forgive her a lot. So, but I don't know that I could watch. Oh my gosh! You know that who, who was in that with her? No. I love that guy, and I'm forgetting That's his Diego name right Luna. now. That sounds familiar. Rogue One. Oh, uh, Cassian. Yes. Oh wow. Oh snap! I just recognized his face, and I looked at. Um, <laughs> he's doing well. I guess he's not crazy. doing much better now. But <laughs> um, see, and it's already in her. It's already been done as a one season tv series in in the 80s already that they, they oh. should leave well enough alone yeah i the the movie's such a classic and with patrick swayze attached to it you know um it, it should not be re redone and it is a film i grew up um it's weird to say but this is a movie that i remember watching with my grandma and i don't know why i know she loved did you it. practice lifts with her i did not thank goodness i cannot oh. dance i would have been <laughs> in trouble um but no, no. but uh <laughs> but i mean I think every every guy who has ever watched that film when they were young enough probably tried to do a lift with somebody though. I do, I do think my cousins who were dancers, you know, tried to like okay lift and it, it never went over well. Um, that's an easy way to to mess your hyena. I mean your hernia. <laughs> yeah, it's um, you know, it was a, a good a good time, um, watching that movie and it's one that I I definitely had it on my list. Um for sure at like but it didn't make the top five but it was it's a film that i I, god i can't remember how many times i've seen it and unlike your husband i i wanted to go see uh dirty dancing when they had the screening i don't remember what happened the weekend it came out though we just weren't able to make it um to see it and that was disappointing because it was one i I, i've never seen on the big screen and it would have been cool to get to see it i would i would have totally gone to see it i would have gone to see it i I don't know just make bill listen to this that he's just really being a ruiner I remember the first time I watched it very distinctly because um, my parents refused, my mom and stepdad refused to get cable or a pet until I went to college. And it was my first summer back, and it was one of those ones. I'm like, oh, I've never seen this. I watched that I don't know how many times on that summer break. And, um, yeah, so I I, I have an appreciation. Jennifer Grey. I can't help but love Jennifer Grey. And Agent Coulson is married to her, um, you know, from the Marvel Universe. And um, I know that's not his name. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Clark Gregg. Clark Gregg, that's it. Um, But I got to say. Sorry, Clark Gregg. Yeah, sorry. Always just just, be Agent Coulson. You're so good. Never run anything else but be Agent Coulson. He's so good as Agent Coulson. But, um, (laughs) you know, I... uh, 
that man, my brain's gone dead. Um, I really, I like that movie a lot, but it's that's a film that as I got older, the movie had a bigger impact on me too because I didn't understand a lot of what was going on um, as a kid, you know. Because I mean, I was watching it when I was probably maybe too young to be watching, it, especially get the abortion themes in the film. Um, yeah, I definitely didn't understand as a kid, like why is she hurt? What happened? Um, it wasn't until I was older that I was like, "Oh crap! I didn't understand what was going on." But that, now I I get it. Um, as a as a college freshman, I don't know that I got it until oh, it's like oh okay, so I get that. Yep, and that happened um, with some other movies that I've recently rewatched where I was like, "Oh, never never picked up on that." And sometimes it's just you know you're watching the movie, but you're wrapped up in one element of it. You're not paying attention to a little detail in the background or in the backstory. That's not yes. a little detail, but I'm this saying, is why we need health lessons. Everyone. Yeah. Yes. Why uh, sex education should be a thing because you know we got to talk about the serious stuff. We can't just ignore it. It doesn't go away. All right. Let's go to uh, back to Mike. We're number four for his top five movies from the eighties. All right. I'm gonna jump back further into the decade, uh, 1982. And so, like I said, I try to diversify, but this is gonna fall into the see Buck- Buckaroo Banzai. I would figure is sci-fi comedy. And this one, John Carpenter's The Thing, I would say is more sci-fi horror, or I would just say horror, horror, horror. <laughs> um, but again, again, and again, this is one that I don't know how many times I rented and watched. And I, I again, I should have just had them, my parents, buy a copy for me. Um, let's see, eighty-two. So I don't think I watched it right away. I remember seeing movie marquees with it because there were certain theaters, and I remember very specifically, uh, we lived around the corner where they were running, uh, not night, but I think Day of the Dead, and mm. they just would happen to leave the door cracked open, and I would kind of sneak in and see. My, my, you know, the curiosity always got the best of me, but I, I wouldn't stay very long because I was a... It's like that self-policing thing where you don't, you, know, you figure you're being watched so you don't stick around or you try to do the right thing. Um, but... Oh. What is that? <laughs> My phone's going nuts. I was just oh. adding some music. Oh, I was like, okay. Corey's going to play the song? Like, <laughs> No, okay. my Snapchat opened. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what that Snapchat was, but it sure, actually looked like, right what is that? Um, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, that green monster actually popped up. Oh, oh one of the Vogons. <laughs> but that's yeah, not sorry. the 80s. Um, I, I know. So, I'm sorry. Um... Well, actually, it was a radio drummer and whatever. Uh, anyway, so John Carpenter is the thing, and I think it still holds up. It was one of those that didn't need, even though it was a prequel, I don't think it needed it. And I wish, actually, I would prefer to have seen it with the non-CGI effects, because I think that's part of the charm. I think even though the, those effects were all done, you know, the typical old school way, uh, practical effects definitely made, and you just look at it and... The, the the elements of suspense and paranoia and everything just all gels and clicks together. No female leads at all. It's all guys stuck out there, out in their, on their base and, you know, uh, kind of stumbling on. And, and actually, and that's the thing, because I even reread some articles on it, how much truer it was to the Who Goes There um, short story where the... The thing from another planet from the 50s with uh, James Arness. James Arness, I think he played the the rifleman, uh, played the space carrot, just kind of borrowed some of it and just went from there. 
I mean, this thing got so dark. I wish John Carp- Carpenter was making films like this. I mean, it's hard to main, main, remain consistent uh, over time, but just all the little elements that went into play between the dogs, um, the blood tests, the just all these little bits and pieces you're putting together and you just never know. And there's mm-hmm. even to this day, there are people that have theories on what ends up happening because it, it's, it's ultimately a, kind of a standoff between two of the main characters mm. and there are theories on how you can tell which one of them is a th- you know a thing and which isn't and some of it holds up there's there's actually theories that regarding the glistening of the eyes and w- when they breathe oh. uh, because it's very obvious uh, the the warm air coming out and there's theories on that and it it, it kind of makes sense i wish but yet again carpenter hasn't really explained so it's a it's it's a it's a little bit of his uh, Armageddon trilogy. Uh-huh. It was this one, and I I've gone blank. The other two, I want to oh. say, Prince of Darkness was another. I want to say uh, I'll have to look it up. But there's three. But uh, of the three, this one is the best. Yeah, this is a film that um I hold in very high regard, but I have not seen enough to make my top list. Um especially with the criteria that I ended up implementing. It's one that I, I need to rewatch. I actually wanted to rewatch it um, in October last year uh, during the 31 Days of Horror, and I, I somehow just it didn't make it into my rotation. I think because it's a, it's a little long, isn't it? It's, um, it is. I can tell you this exact runtime in a moment here. It's one that I, I, you know, I've read a lot about the uh, the practical effects. I've seen the, the, a lot of the clips multiple times, but as far as from beginning to end watching it, not been one that I did mainly because I was afraid of horror movies for a long time as a kid. Um, <laughs> That's <and> ironic. <laughs> it, it is well, and now I'm almost completely like immune to horror. Like it, a few of them will oh, get me. You'll, you'll be fine with this. Oh no, no, no. That's that's not why I'm avoiding it. That's not what I mean. Um, I'm saying it's funny though because like uh, movies like this, when I was a kid, I completely avoided. And then I don't know. I was probably about. 12 when I really got into I, I don't want to say I got into horror because I, I was very into like commercial horror like I watched all the Friday the 13th movies and Nightmare on Elm Street movies um, Halloween uh, some of the Halloweens um, some of those always just felt real cheesy so I didn't watch all of those but even though the Jason movies are too but there's something I like Jason a lot so I, I got past the cheese just to watch him um, <laughs> uh, runtime's an hour and 49 minutes so just show you oh, okay. two hours I don't know why I didn't watch it because um, I bought it I actually bought this um, and when Rowdy Piper died, I bought this. Uh, they live. When oh, they live, and yeah. oh, um, those are great. That would be a mm-hmm. good double feature. Oh, I still haven't seen that one. Oh, uh, see, I saw that one when I was a kid on HBO because I liked Rowdy I Piper because I was WWE nerd, and um, and basically uh, Billy Blanks who did Tybo. I used to watch all of his crappy <laughs> martial yeah. art movies on HBO. Like anytime he was in a movie, I was like gonna watch it. I don't know why. Um, and then he did Tybo, yeah. and I like lost all respect, even though the movies weren't good to begin with. <laughs> once I once he was like the and, exercise uh, guy, I was like, no, nah, Cynthia done. Rothrock and uh, what's the guy, the dragon, Don the Dragon, something. Uh, Wilson. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I watched his movies too. Yeah, I watched all of those because I love martial arts. Like when I was in uh, middle school, I was really, really obsessed with martial arts. So I watched almost anything that had martial arts in it, um, which still kind of shows in my like my action taste. I generally prefer action movies that have a lot of hand to hand scenes rather than like car chases and stuff. Not that I don't like a good car chase, but that's not like why Fast and the Furious hasn't appealed to me. Um, is it's a movie of all car chases predominantly. I know they've added some hand to hand, especially I hear Jason Statham has a pretty insane fight scene in uh, in uh, Fate of the Furious. 
um, you know, Statham's hand to hand is one of the reasons I love the transporter. I love uh, his hand to hand combat scenes in that movie, even if they are a bit <laughs> over the top. But um, I want to mark that tape. I love his hand to hand. Oh, oh that's not what mark I it, said. Mark it. Um, stupid mm-hmm. foot and mouth. Foot and mouth always. Um, <laughs> but all right. Um, and Corey, uh, the thing. I'm taking a moment. I'm taking a moment. Oh, I love this movie. I feel like. I probably haven't seen it 25%, you know, the times of Mike, but I love this. And one of my favorite things with horror is when it, I love, a, I love when it's kind of a slow burn and it has a great atmosphere. And I think that he did a great job with this. And I've said this before too. I love the isolation in this oh, yeah, movie. It's... I love it so much. Well, and, and you know, a film it has. It works perfectly. Well, yeah. It, well, you know, a film has been successful, though, because it's been replicated uh, in all sorts of different ways. You know, The Simpsons, I think, did a, a thing parody in one of the Treehouse of Horrors. X-Files have an episode in season one that is inspired by the thing. Um, you know, it, it shows up in other uh, pieces of work. And I, what film? Um, there was something I just watched that, like, the inspiration came from the thing. Maybe Hateful Eight? Um Yes, yes. Oh, yeah, it, it definitely, is. It, it's definitely got some elements to it. Yeah, and there's something else, though, more, I think even more recent that was referencing it. Oh, God, I can't, I don't know what it is, why I can't, like, pinpoint what it was, but, um, you know, that isolation element. Um, but, yeah, it, it's it's a classic, and it's one that I, I'm definitely going to rewatch this year uh, during the Halloween. I think I'm going to do the 31 Days of Horror again. I really want to branch into horror a little more. Um, it's a genre that um, I, I think Let I've only well I think I've only tapped into the the surface. You know I I am heavily commercial um, with a lot of my film selections. Uh, I don't want to say mainstream necessarily, but I've seen a lot of the films that I've seen have been the big name films that have gotten either tons of praise or um, have had commercial success. And horror is a genre that um, a lot of the commercial horror films aren't great. Um, like if you look back in the last year, how many commercial horror films that have had big releases that have bombed? But a lot of the the beloved horror films are these small indie films with you know practical effects it, done in the house. I mean, going back to some movies that might be on the list, but The Thing, Evil Dead, Evil Dead Two, those you know, um, and then uh, there's tons of there's it's horror is such a deep genre too. Um, there's a podcast, uh, Mike. What's the one you you turned me on to with the the guy from um, the horror? Uh, do you remember what it was? We we uh, listened to it. Killer podcast. Yes. I can look it up. I've got. Um, I I really I'm I'm wanting to listen to some of those episodes because it's it's three people that are like horror like gurus. Killer and, POV. Killer POV and um, Corey, you might want to jump into on that po- listening to that podcast because uh, they're all horror like critics and or involved with horror like in like some wrote for some of the the horror fi- uh, magazines and things like that. Um, and they, they basically, every episode, they're either interviewing someone from a horror film or they're talking about horror films. So, um, sadly, it looks like they're done with it, but they have a whole 140 episodes yeah. on there. So, yeah. So that's the beauty of podcasts. Even though they may not be doing any new episodes, you can pick up. And again, the guy from it is doing another podcast that I'm listening to now, um, which I'm, it's not popping in my Pure head. Cinema? Pure no, Cinema? Pure Cinema. That is it. Nope. That's it. Pure Cinema. Okay. Um, and they're doing, theirs is unique. They're doing, um, 12 episode blocks. So like, I think they're doing 12 episodes and they're taking like a month or two off and then they're doing 12 episodes and they're doing it like a season, almost like a TV show, um, which I've not seen a podcast do that. So I'm kind of intrigued by it. Um, uh, we're alive. Um, did it, but that's more a dramatic zombie one. I forget how many seasons they're up to. Well, you mean like a, like a radio show type thing? 
Mm-hmm. Okay, it's very good. Yeah, it's pure cinema is well more traditional, um, com- like ours, like a conversation podcast. Um, so the season idea, though, it's because they they do some very specific themes, and it does require a bit of research on theirs. Like they kind of do what we do, but they they pair the movies they pick. So like if we were doing our list now, we would be like, you should watch this movie and pair it with this. So it's like double the research, and they're a lot of times watching the movies that they're doing on their list too, like in the same week. So. Imagine if before we did this, you had to watch all five of your movies. Um, we we would be much slower with this than we are. So, um, well, I'm thinking going back to your point regarding the horror genre. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like the bigger ones anymore are the ones that fall flat. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I mean, back yeah. back when the '80s, when when Friday the Thirteenth was starting and Nightmare on Elm Street, and I would say even Halloween because that's way before. Um, they were smaller, uh, much smaller, and then they exploded, which then leads the bigger studios to want to cash in and exploit it. But it's something like it loses its charm. I mean, you, I mean, I'm not not to say that a big budget Hollywood studio horror film isn't going to do, you know, isn't going to be amazing. Yeah, they've had, but they've had some, but they've definitely been a it's lot few less. and far between. I yeah. think it's usually a smaller product. Let's say Green Room, as fantastic as. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I know for some that might fall under thriller. It's yeah. Hard. Um, but still, it's, it's kind of the same idea. Mm-hmm. Um, that you take the small film. I mean, but with these this amazing talent all involved, all around. There's, I don't think any weak link in the whole thing. And then it kind of gets big. And yeah, it's usually the smaller ones because they. I mean, the smaller budget and the returns are much greater if it mm-hmm. happens to take off. Well. Um, Mike's number four was The Thing, and uh, the film that all of us have seen, so Corey and I both are one of yours now. Um, ding, 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 ding. All right. Uh, my number four, um, I'm sticking, I think most of mine fall into the comedy genre, or at least half comedy. Um, well, looking at IMDb, this one's not listed as comedy, although that's definitely a prevalent element in this, written by Shane Black, uh, directed by Richard Donner, Lethal Weapon from 1987. Um this is a film that I still like it was on recently. In fact, and I, I had to watch it. I, I know Mel Gibson is not okay now. Um, even though he, after Hacksaw Ridge, he's getting a little bit more of an acceptance after his anti-Semitic rant several years back. Um, he's obviously not someone we want to praise. However, um, when you look at the eighties action movies and I, I'm a big fan of Die Hard, uh, for sure. And I love, I, I am, I love Predator. Um, I haven't seen the first Terminator in a long time. I was a 90s kid in my eyes, and so I really latched on to Terminator 2, um, which is, I think, 91 or 92 or something like that. So um, I don't remember the first one as well. I did see it, but it, it wasn't one I regularly rewatched. Um, I never got into Rambo enough to, like, I've, I've seen both. Well, I've seen the first two for sure. I have not seen them since I was a kid in the 80s, I, and I think I saw both of them once. But Die Hard and Lethal Weapon, I've rewatched dozens of times, but Lethal Weapon edged it out. Um, and it's because of the duo of Mel Gibson and Danny Glover. I, I love the two. I've seen the first and second one countless times. Um, I've seen the third one a few. I think I saw the fourth one once. And it's not great. It's not the worst movie by any means, but it's definitely, you know, it's come a long way it, from the it first one. long in the tooth at that point. It, it is. And it, it it's over, I think it was early 2000s when Lethal Weapon 4 came out, so it, it really stretched it. Um, but 87, uh, you got Martin Riggs and uh, Roger Murtaugh, uh, the unlikely pairing of a, a crazy cop who's suicidal and a cop who's ready to retire any day now. 
and um, how their partnership bonds and forms. I mean, it really sets the platform for the buddy cop comedy that Shane Black uh, has, is credited with kind of creating, um, which we get kind of a updated and yet dated version of it with the nice guys from last year. Um, but I don't know, man, I've watched this movie so many times. I think I like the second one the most. Um, okay, I'm glad you said that because that's the one that I... The diplomatic immunity. Yeah, and Joe Pesci's character shows up, um, yep. and he's interesting. This one, the first Lethal Weapon, is definitely a darker overall tone. Mm-hmm. I think it becomes more comedy in the second film. Um, yeah. It's definitely more action in the first one, and I mean, some of the stuff they do to Mel Gibson's character, Riggs, mm-hmm. uh, they torture him pretty yeah. hardcore. But he's also, the way he does, like, um, the different, like, because he's crazy, he plays it really big, and... Um, there's a lot of funny moments through that. Danny Glover's character, uh, you know, I'm too old for this stuff, um, is while serious, it's also said with an air of comedy whenever he does it. Um, Gary Busey's in the first film, and he plays, you know, kind of a crazy guy. And uh, What? No. I know, no. What? No. <laughs> um, sounding like Mark Wahlberg, Mike. Uh, but, hey, Donnie. Hey, Donnie. Gary Busey's crazy. What? No. Um, <laughs> that's from The it's Happening. It's the plants. Guys. Yeah, <laughs> the plants are doing. Oh God, please stop! But yeah, *Lethal Weapon* um, is a film that I've seen <laughs> dozens of times. I have to. Uh, IMDb does not list it as a comedy though. For *Lethal Weapon*, it's action crime thriller. Um, I I still like even rewatching it recently. Like I said, I still enjoyed most of it. It gets a little long winded at times. Um, partly because it, it, they really stretch out the uh, the climax. But um, yeah, it's a film that again it started a pretty solid franchise. Two and three are are again good two's great three's fine the fourth one they added jet lee because jet lee was really popular at the time and it just it kind of jumps the shark so to speak but um that's my my pick for number four karate uh nope lethal weapon (laughs) spoiler um probably i haven't seen this in a really long time but i grew up on them too my dad loved this movie he loved danny glover a lot so yeah me too i feel like I need to revisit these. And I remember uh, being a kid. I don't know if you guys watched any of the the National Lampoons made ton, you know tons loaded and tons of credit. Loaded <laughs> Weapon, which I did not realize was Sam Jackson for the longest time. Um, but I, I think I only saw that. I think I rented it from like Blockbuster or Video Hut or something on VHS. The Loaded Weapon, and uh, it was funny. Like I got all I loved all the the jokes from the Lethal Weapon movies, and then. It wasn't until a few months ago, I think, that I realized that it was Sam Jackson was playing the Danny Glover character, and I was like, "What?" Um, but yeah, so *Lethal Weapon*. Um, yep, yeah, fun movie. Yeah, um, it, I, like I said, like you said, I, I was more a fan of the second one. In fact, I believe I saw it first, so that's why it stuck with me. In fact, the other fact, I think, I think maybe my youth pastor, and because they would have movie, I get to see lots of different movies sometimes, mm. and that was one. And I remember seeing Die Hard 2 with them. Oh, see, I still have never made it all the way through Die Hard 2. I, 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 what? I don't know what it is about the second one. It's just, it's, it's just not the first one. I mean, the first one is so perfect. Uh, yeah, that is true. Um, it's like everything else to me just like failed. Like, cause a lot of people like the third one too, and I, I, I don't mm-hmm. hate the third one, but I, I, it's not the first one. The first one is so great, and. Um, Lethal Weapon. That's the other thing too. Like, why maybe it's on my list instead of Die Hard? Because Die Hard was is on my honorable mentions, um, and I was debating. I was like, man, I feel like I've watched Lethal Weapon more, and I definitely did. And I think it was because of the sequels. Because I would watch like they used to do. I think marathons on HBO where they would show one, two, and three, and I would just watch one and two like every time they were on. And um, 
you know, I really like the characters. And my my aunt uh, had a, a crush on Mel Gibson. So, like, anytime any Mel Gibson movie was on, she was going to watch it. So I think that was also where it was just there. And to be fair, it's a 90s movie, but Hudson Hawk was the Bruce Willis movie that I watched way more um, because I thought it was funny. So it kept getting, uh, you know, replayed. So, but, yeah, that's why. So, Corey, are you ready for your number four? Yes. Cause just a heads up, because okay. we're almost at an hour. And we're only yeah. doing four. <laughs> I know. Okay, so my number four is from 1987. It is The Princess Bride. Oh, that's a good one. Mine just got bumped. Like, it just Sorry? got bumped. It just was bumped off my list, like, right before we started recording. I couldn't leave this one off the list. I think that they rescreened it last year in theaters for Fathom Events, and they're rescreening it again this yep. year. And Bill can't get out of going to this one. Sorry. <laughs> um, and we have all talked about this movie. I love everything about it so much. The cast. It's hilarious. I love Carrie Yules and <laughs> Robin Wright so much together. I know I say his name wrong. Oops. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what else I can say about this movie. I only mostly love this movie. Um. Uh, what? That's it's a joke because of Billy Crystal. Um, yeah, no. Um, it was on my list. I I just bumped it for Major League at last minute because while I've seen The Princess Bride a lot, I actually have seen it. Um, most of the times I've seen it have been as an adult. I I think I saw it once as a kid, and I I didn't watch it again until like four or five years ago. Um, and then I watched Same. it, and then I re I rewatched it, and then I had my students watch it, and now I watch it if I see it, it's on. I just realized, though, uh, when we saw the uh, trailer for the Fathom event, that Taylor's never seen it. Um, oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. So we are we are going Actually, to uh, I don't think watch it. Either of mine have. See, Mike, this this is a family day right the there, man. We take all yeah. of our kids. We watch the Princess Bride on the big screen. Because I've never seen it on the big screen. Because um, I'm pretty sure I missed it last year. Unless I've gone completely insane. In which case, I have forgotten that I saw it last year in the theater. But. I'm fairly It'll confident. It'll be a brand new experience. Yeah, and there's so many great moments. There's so many memorable lines. Um, As you wish. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a shirt um, that the shirt's got a, like a fake name tag. It says, hello, my name is Iago Montoya. You killed my father, now prepare to die. Like, that's the name tag on the shirt um, because I'm a big fan. So definitely, um, definitely deserves to be on these lists for sure. And it's one I hope my daughter will add to her list of favorite films because, again, it is... It is the best fairy tale, and not to, let's not forget Fred Savage, right? I'm pretty sure. And I love his grandpa. Yeah, oh, his grandpa's hilarious. Um, and I mean, what he's such a crappy kid at the beginning of the movie. You're just like, oh, what a little jerk. And I love that they even make the the narrator essentially have a character arc. He changes through the course of the film, which is you know unnecessary because while he is our framing device, he's not the character we're following. But yet they they manage to tie a narrative in for him as well. It's it's just. It's fantastic. Um, such a classic film. Um, definitely, I really hope I don't miss it this time in the theater because you never know. It's always on Sundays, and sometimes Sundays get away from me. But all right. Uh, yeah, I hate when they I hate when they plan it that way. Yeah, I I wish they would do more screenings. I understand why they don't, but I I kind of wish they would do like Fathom weeks, you know, where they did like a week where it's going to be in the theater from from Friday to to fr Thursday or whatever. You know, where you have. A chance to go see like a normal movie just back in theaters for the week or whatever 
Um, I don't know if they screen it at your theater this way, but they always screen them at mine on Sundays and Wednesdays and at 2 and 7 p.m. Yeah. each of those days. Uh, they do sometimes, but unfortunately our theater that does it is a 45-minute drive, so Wednesdays usually oh. isn't an option. Sadly, I don't think our area could support an Alamo draft house because most people don't know how to watch film, and they're very strict on that. Yeah, I I hope we get ones close by, but the Enzian um, is always a good option, too. The Enzian does do replays. I'm bummed I missed. They just did uh, Bonnie and Clyde, um, and I missed that, and I've never seen that movie, and I really wanted to make it to the Enzian to see it. Um, that is where the Florida Film Festival is primarily, although they do use the Winter Park Regal as um, for two other screens because they only have one screen at the Enzian. But um, Enzian's got like an Alamo Drafthouse type vibe, but they are a little unorganized with their wait staff. But I- I'll complain about that later. Let's move on to Mike's number three. All right. So, um, again, trying to diversify, I'm going to jump to 1987 and... Um... I think we've mentioned this one, or I might have mentioned it in passing. Broadcast news. Oh, I want to with... see this one so bad, and now I'm I'm out. I've only seen one of your uh, three so far, so there's no way for me yeah. to get four. But um, William Hurt, uh, Albert Brooks, Holly Hunter. This was I think my first memory of Holly Hunter. And so basically, the premise is they're rival TV reporters, uh, one that's got the talent, but one that's got the look. And obviously they're going to be at odds. And in media, the look almost always overshadows the talents is what it seems like. It's odd. It's oddly some little bit of odd synchronicity because I just being that I'm up at four in the morning, typically, even on the weekends. um, And I just make myself go back to sleep. I noticed one news channel totally with the exception of one person. They they all the rest of the morning team is gone. And I po- pointed it out to Abby, and she very quickly, no, well, she looked at me. She's like, "Well, they're all young." I said, "True," but you know, they switched them over. I'm thinking, why? And I mean, this was '87, so that's 30 years ago, and it's you know, it's still not much has changed. Um, there's some really um, amazing dialogue back and forth between the characters, and there's a love triangle involved between. William Hurts, Albert Brooks, and Holly Hunter's characters, and um, done, directed, and written by James L. Brooks, who's solid in everything he does. What's the, yeah, it's seven point. See, that's weird. I thought it would be higher at seven point two out of ten, but it's got an eighty-four Metascore. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it it definitely provided some insight. I mean, obviously, they're not going to be able to show everything that happens in news, but. There were little bits and pieces, especially when there was like a pivotal moment with William Hurt's character. And um, he's interviewing, I forget what the interview is about, but it's definitely a, 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 a an interest, a special interest kind of piece mm-hmm. where they're kind of going in what you see. Uh, sometimes I want more news in my news. <laughs> but Fake news. It, it, Fake it, news. It's, uh, yeah, well, you know, not so much that as much oh. as, oh, look at this nice thing that... You know, oh, they saved this dog. And I'm like, okay, that's great. That's cool. I want some real news. Um, And so in any case, he's doing this interview. And the way they have the camera set up, uh, you know, it makes it seem like he's crying as she's sharing, recounting the story. Then Holly Hunter's character finds out how exactly, I mean, he made himself cry on cue. Mm. Like, give me a second. And then, and so, you know, it's just like, whoop. And yeah, it sold the story and it got them ratings, but then it, you know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. that manipulation. It's funny you yeah. mentioned fake news. Fake news. But 
um, they're going. Well, I mean, that's very much the case in media. You, you see what you're What's given. presented. It's the case with anything. You only see what, what people show you. Um, but it is, it's easy to sometimes take everything at face value. And, you know, as a uh, journalist, that's what, you know, I was, I went to college with the intent of being a, a news reporter, but a written, I was a writer. Um, I wrote for my high school newspaper for two years, um, won a, won a scholarship because of my writing to a local college, a community college, uh, here that I chose. No, I wanted to rack up a lot of debt. So I went to a private college instead, and worked on the newspaper there for the four years, um, and when I graduated, uh, the reality of the news wasn't the romanticized version of it that I had in my head, you know, where I was going to change the world with my investigative reporting style. Um, I did do a lot of freelance work for a while when I, uh, while I was teaching. Um, my first couple of years, I was writing for our local newspaper. Um, got a lot of cool stories because of it. You know, I, I got to write about a couple of bands, and those bands treated me like I was from Rolling Stones, gave me free demos and, um, you know, tickets oh. to their shows and stuff. Um, they were somewhat local, but like you know, uh, Anne Berlin and Under Oath, so local but oh, yeah. big. Um, like big, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they, you know, they're from the they're from Central Florida, and they made it you know fairly large. I mean, Anne Berlin had a pretty successful career. Under Oath, I think, is still together, although I think it's all like basically new members or something. But um, you know, so I, I wrote a lot. So any anytime there's a cool news related film. Um, I'm always intrigued, and I heard about broadcast news, uh, I think, from Malton on Movies uh, a couple mm. of years ago, and it's been on my list, and it's just, I think when I first heard about it, it was, it, like, the cheapest I saw was, like, 22 bucks on DVD or something, and I just haven't, oh, wow. I haven't pulled the trigger on it yet, but it's one that I desperately want to watch, and I keep seeing it on, you know, lists all the time, um, so it's one that, it's a priority for me, and I, I'm going to try to make a bigger mm. effort to see it this year. According to IMDb, it's nine ninety nine on Amazon Video. So I mean, it's digital yeah, probably. digital, which I'm fine with. I I'm almost exclusively at this point. I'm kind of out of room for physical. Um, and now word. and now I don't have Fye to trade my movies back into if I need like extra money or whatever. So going digital seems like the the best choice now for both storage and practicality. But um, yeah, it's something I'm gonna look into to get. Uh, Corey, you've never seen broadcast news, I assume. I have not. So. Ding, so ding, 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 ding. I've got to get the next, next two. Two, yeah, because that's all that's left. Um, all right, well, my number three, uh, you could probably guess because I kind of screwed up and said it at the end of my number four, <laughs> um, but it's from 1984, and it's The Karate Kid. Um, I mean, this is a film that I literally, I've grown, I grew up watching. Um, it's one of my favorites. I always loved it. In fact, even very recently, I was at Mike's house, uh, with our my whole family was there, uh, my wife and daughter, and then Mike's family was there, and the Karate Kid was on, so Mike had it playing on the TV, and at some point, um, we're at the Olive Valley tournament, and uh, Mike's son John is sitting with me on the couch, and I hear my wife laughing, and I and I look over, and Mike's wife and my wife are standing together laughing, because I guess John and I had like the same look on our faces. We were both intensely watching the tournament like as though we didn't know what was going to happen of course which of you course you do you yeah Johnny's, uh, it's, might, it's such a concern Zabka might change it um so you know that is um this film still has that impact on me if it is on even though i do think ralph macchio is so cringy in in his performance in every one of the movies i still have to watch it i don't care how cringy um mr miyagi is is so fantastic um you know pat Morita. Um, Elizabeth Shue, as we've heard, she's gotten name dropped a couple times because we're talking about '80s movies, so I guess that's going to happen. Um, and then uh, William Zabka, she's which, her, she's her uh, '80s MVP. Well, 
you know, and I'm a huge fan of the TV series How I Met Your Mother, and I love how they tie the Karate <laughs> Kid into that franchise. Um, it it starts off as a passing joke where uh, Barney was admits to being a fan of um Mike of Mike Zapka over uh, he's the Karate Kid, but then it, they actually bring the actors into the show for ma- multiple cameos. Um, that are it's just so great as a, a fan of the Karate Kid and then a fan of How I Met Your Mother and how they brought those together, but. I, I don't know how many times I've seen the Karate Kid, and I've seen the trilogy. I think I've seen the third one the least. Um, yeah. But mainly because I hate that uh, Ralph Macchio turns on, on Mr. Miyagi like he does in that one. Because it's just like, no way, dude. Why would you do that? Like After all you've been through, he's like a father to you. You don't just turn your back on him, you little jerk. Um, but like I love the second one. Uh, there's, you know, there's some really cool moments in the second one. There's some, again, there's some cringe, but it, it's 80s cringe. It's, it's exactly what you would expect. Um, but... I'm 90% sure I saw this in the in the theater when I was a kid like at least once. I had the the big karate like figures of them and um you know I even I remember having the referee and I had like the ring which there's no ring but there was a ring for the figures and um I've always loved the karate kid and anytime it is on it is probably going to get turned on and I I was so disappointed with the Jaden Smith, Jackie Chan version um, of the karate the kid. The Kung Fu kid. Yeah, that was my first issue. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, he's not learning karate. And so they just threw it, like, threw a line in where he's like, well, my uncle taught me karate, so they called me the karate. Like, oh, God, no. Um, don't do that. But, uh, yeah. The, uh, lazy writing. Shoehorn it in, guys, somehow. Yep. And they, oh, there's so, there's so much. Like, I talked about the cringe in the 84. There's so much more cringe in the, the current, like, the newer version but um, this is a film that my daughter still she loves. Obviously, your kids are fans of. It's one that um, when I think of the '80s, I think of the Karate Kid. So it's definitely in my top five. Uh, the um, over the weekend, my daughter daughter's school had their military ball, which is the um, analog to um, their prom. And I don't know why, but the um, but it it was just a friend date. Uh, but all of a sudden, he put he goes into crane kick. Oh. position oh no because we were taking well we, we and he wasn't doing it maliciously or you know no yeah, yeah against no defense if done right if done right um and so you know i took near a thousand pictures and i got a whole sequence of motion of him he didn't do the green kick but i remember distinctly saying sweep the leg to my daughter so it just it's funny that that is how that is this one should be on my list and uh, I'm pretty sure I probably put it on my honorable mentions. I can't remember my honorable mentions, but it's one we would probably watch. It's, it's we stopped and watch and see what happens at the tournament again and again. Yep, every time does not matter uh, if if it's on, and I will sit there with the intensity of like, is he gonna make it? Is he gonna be able to fight? Like even though I've seen it and I know it, this movie tricks me every time, and every time um, Mr. Miyagi does the hand clap. You know, to to heal, I'm just like, why isn't that real? Like, why don't I know someone who can just like, oh, my shoulder hurts. You know, got you, dude. Like, that's never. I've always wanted that, and it's you know, man, um, dumb. But I love, you, I love you it. You can work on it. I'm sure it's some sort of holistic medicine, which <laughs> is actually funny because just this morning, Penn and Teller's BS show did a whole thing on that. Well, not the hand clap, but the acupuncture thing. So it was very. Very timely. Definitely. I rewatched this a couple or so years ago, and I still liked it a lot. Um, oh, yeah. 
And I loved this when I was a kid. This was another one that I watched over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And I have so much respect for parents. Boom. Just because I wanted to murder my sister when she was a kid and she watched movies like that. And every single parent has to go through that. So I don't know how you do it. Well, I mean, we love this movie, though, so... <laughs> that That's true, but I mean, any movie, if I had to watch ah. it over and over and over... But... Yeah, hey, This is much better than the one Dalmatian caper my kids were into once. Oh, my God. Or so. the Ashley and Mary Kay oh, Olsen movies? My daughter loved the Beverly Hills no. Chihuahua movie. Um, oh, no! Yeah. And... And at some point, she thought Jack and Jill was the funniest movie she'd ever seen. And <laughs> really, I managed wow. to not see that. That was one that I did not introduce to her. Grandma introduced oh. that one to her. Oh, and, go, um, nice job, Grandma. Uh, but luckily, that was a phase <laughs> that she fell out of very quickly. I remember it was just like all of a sudden oh. she's like, "This isn't funny." I'm like, "Yeah, I know. I knew that without yeah, watching I... it." But yeah, it's it's fine. You're okay. You've seen better movies now. I brought you to the light. It's fine. Um, all right, Corey, what is your number three? My number three comes from 1982. I'm sure I talked about this one when we talked about our favorite horror films, but I couldn't leave it off. You guys know I love anthologies, oh. and I love short stories, and I love that stuff. My dad suggested this movie to me at some point, and I'm talking about Creepshow from 1982. Yeah, I thought so. Because of our shared love of horror, and he actually read the comics when he was a kid, and I've always been kind of jealous because we don't really make those anymore. Mm-hmm. And the one oh, that you they can probably do... find it. Oh yeah, they have anthology, like they have huge books um, that like compile the issues. But I just think it would be fun to be able to have a subscription to that and to kind of look forward to it coming in the mail or. You know, kind of seeking that out when a new issue came out because I'm a nerd. Um, but I just love this movie. I love the opening that it's um, a cartoon. Well, it starts out live action and then it goes cartoon and then it goes back live action. But each of the um, pieces of the anthology, the beginning of them is um, is made into a cartoon too. But turns into live action. I just love the detail to this. Uh, George A. Romero and um, Stephen King oh, did this together. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And I just think it's a masterpiece. And Creepshow 2 is equally awesome. And then I think about 10 years ago, they tried to make Creepshow 3. And of course, no one that was attached to the originals had anything to do with it. And it was absolutely awful. So stay away from that one, guys. Well, Creepshow 3? Yeah. It's mm. so... I don't I don't know that I've... I feel like I saw Creepshow when I was younger. But I don't know for sure. So that's one I, I want to check out, actually. Um... I, I don't know that I've seen a lot of horror anthologies. Is this like like holidays where there's multiple directors, or is it just just Romero who does this? You know, um, I I want to say multiple, but now I look it up. Yeah, I wanted to say the same, and now I'm unsure. I did watch a lot of like um like I was a fan of the uh, the tough wait tales from the crypt like the TV series mm-hmm. on HBO. Mm-hmm. I used to watch that all the time. Um, and I used to I I watched some of those type of horror films like the uh low quality really not low quality but low um budget you know small budget uh you can tell kind of thing and i don't know like i don't know what it is about me with that like lower budget horror films often they don't elicit the horror i guess as much for me all the time and i guess i want to be scared when i watch a horror film so um i don't mind like a Um, horror comedy like evil dead Like, the first Evil Dead actually freaked me out when I watched it. Like, I thought it was scary. (laughs) Evil Dead 2 I love because I find it hilarious, but it's still, like, I see the horror elements in it. But the first one, like, genuinely freaked me out. Like, there was stuff I'm like, man, this is creepy. Like, 
So I I have a lot of respect. I love the second one the most for the two evil uh, the two evil deads, and then Army of Darkness is fun, but it you know it's not the same movie for me. Um, but Evil Dead, the first one, like I I hold in a very high regard because it really did like it freaked me out while I was watching it. Like I was and I was watching it during like the day, and I'm talking about as an adult, like probably six seven years ago, and was like this is freaking <laughs> me out. Like because I, I was alone, and like I was just like. I, I don't trust anything out now. In the like, cabin in the woods. I, yeah, I was I I was in a oh cabin in the woods, another good movie. Um, all right, yeah, but uh, Creep Show is one that Mike. I assume you're also a big fan of because uh, it sounds like it's right up your alley. Yes, it's that's uh, I can't remember if I like the second one better. I'm, t- I'm trying to think the one with the roaches that freaked me out. According to IMDb, the only sure director I, could be. Um, I can't remember though. According to IMDb, the only director shown is George A. Romero. I'm wondering about the second one. The second Michael, one has yeah. Michael Cornick. Huh, interesting. But George A. Romero stays on as screenplay, and Stephen King stays on as a write. Um, st- he writes the stories. Wrote cool. the stories, I should say. I'm gonna watch these again because I forgot about Leslie Nielsen being in it. Oh. Yeah, and of course Stephen King is um, one of the main characters in one of the shorts oh that's right with, with all the pl- the plants growing on him mm-hmm. oh and Ted Danson Ted Danson Ed Harris yeah. I didn't even realize Ed yeah Harris. yeah he's uh, in Ad- the first segment which is probably Adrian my Barbeau uh, if you don't know Adrian Barbeau from the original the fog uh, from mod TV series we've mentioned before so yeah I gotta dig this up again all right sadly it's not streamable ah that's it it might be one day there um, it might get, you know, like a re-release or something digitally. I know Shout Factory yeah. and Scream, Oh, I love Shout Factory. They they do a lot of good restorations, so Scream hopefully Factory. uh yeah, I think they're the same company, but I think there's two different branches of what they release, but um all right, let's go to Mike's number 2. What is your number 2 movie from the 80s? All right. I'm going to 1986 and um this is from when Charlie Sheen was doing some acting. Ah. Back in the day, and uh, him, Tom Berenger, Willem Dafoe, Platoon, uh, Forrest Whitaker, Keith David, Kevin Dillon, John C. McGinley, uh, really no female leads. Corey Glover, uh, Johnny Depp. I forgot Johnny Depp was in it because he's a small part. Uh, Nineteen eighty-six Platoon, and we just started talking about Oliver Stone. Yep, uh, he was the director, writer of it, uh, based on some of his experiences in Vietnam, and this was one. Again, see, my youth pastor was pretty cool. This was one he had in his collection. He served in Vietnam, and he didn't talk a whole lot about it. But it, do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. It, but um, he definitely, this was one of his favorites. And so, as such, um, we were introduced to it, and and it stuck with me. He owned it, and the mom and pop video store had it, so I would watch it and rewatch it, and it it's not i mean there is some message of hope in there um there's charlie sheen was just fantastic and this is um and the way uh, tom berenger and willem defoe's sergeants are at each other uh, because they're two extremes and you see the difference between the lieutenants the officers and and the grunts and some of the stuff because there's the illusion that isn't fully on like Milai, the the massacre. Um, but they do have that whole, you know, with the intro that the village had stood for a thought, probably stood for a thousand years and just what happens and just the horrific things that, you know, the horrible things that men do in these kinds of situations. Um, 
some horribly inexcusable things because uh, I won't even get into it because there are some things that are just horrible, especially in the village part. And um, this one was really affecting to me and just I've watched it many. uh, My kids have not been introduced to this. Uh, I don't think it's quite time, but it's a classic and it just uh, stuck out for me from the 80s. Yeah, you know what? I bought this last year uh, while I was doing the the three sixty six challenge, and I have not watched it yet. Um, it's it's one of the many big war movies that I've not checked out that you know are are well regarded, and um, it's it's one I'm going to watch for sure. But again, so there's another one off the list that I've not seen of yours. Um, I went too bold with four. Uh, <laughs> but ding 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 ding. Well, I, I have a coworker who. Tom Bender's um, Sergeant Barnes and my co-worker's last name is that. Now, every once in a while, I want to, because there's a scene where um, Willem Dafoe just lashes out. It's like, Barnes! I just don't know how that will be if taken. Get it, yeah. Probably just shouldn't be allowed. <laughs> co-worker's name. He'll probably just be like, what? <laughs> huh? <laughs> Alright. Um, Corey, have you seen it, though? Because you're still in the game, if you have. Uh, I can't remember. Um, oh, no. So I probably... Yeah, so we both lose. Um, I feel like this is one that my dad probably watched when I was a kid, but I can't remember it, and I'd t- totally be down to rewatch it or to watch it. Yeah, it's but, it's sitting on. I have a shelf with uh, movies that I have purchased that I have not watched yet, um, almost exclusively. That like that's ninety percent of the shelf are movies ooh. that I own and haven't watched, and I'm looking like right at it right now, and it's it's uh, in between Ed Wood, um, and. <gasps> That's great. I think that's The Pursuit of Happiness that's next to it that I still have never seen. Um, oh, I love that movie. Yeah, it's one. It's uh, For a while, I avoided movies that I thought would make me cry. Um, well, now I, oh, I do not avoid those. Do yeah, and that's like the, the premise of that movie alone. I was like, oh, that's going to make me cry for sure. Um, I don't avoid them now, but I still haven't brought myself to like watching it at this point. So, And I, I've, there's other movies up there. Um, Margo at the Wedding, what I'm looking at. L.A. Confidential, Capote. Um, you know, just to name a few on the list of movies that I own but haven't watched yet. Um, so yeah, Platoon, we got to check it out. My number two it should be a. It should be sorry. Um, oh no, should be an Oliver Stone double feature with Scarface. Make it five hours of our lives. Oh God, I need to watch Scarface. Um, you know, I'm down, but you know, we just keep talking about it. We never actually do it. Um, oh. although I am, I'm going to be a little busy this weekend watching eleven movies. Uh, so. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but maybe in a couple of weekends. Um, that said, uh, movie I watched last night, a movie that inspired this topic is my number two, Back to the Future from 1985. Um, it's still like, I don't know how many times I've seen this, but I still laugh. I still smile. I still, you know, hold my breath with the, uh, the, the suspense that, um, Zemeckis builds during the, uh, is he going to make it? Is he, is Doc Brown going to be able to plug the thing back in? Is he going to get down and plug it in in time? Um, is Doc Brown dead when he gets hit by lightning? Like, uh, <laughs> I I love um, that would have been an ironic twist though if he did die there. So he like Marty just never oh. left anyways. Um, you know, Dang. I I love the trilogy. No time paradox. Time paradox. Yep. And this trilogy is I I think it's my favorite trilogy. Um, as I now am calling Star Wars the uh, Star Wars franchise because there's more than just three now. Um. Yes, I know there were technically there's eight now, but I'm only acknowledging five of them at the moment. But um, so I get to say that this is my favorite trilogy and then Star Wars is my favorite franchise now. 
um, thanks to uh, the Force Awakens and Rogue One and the hopefully Last Jedi as well. But um, this trilogy, it it's been watched and rewatched so many times. For a while, ABC Family was doing like a weekend marathon where they would start playing them and they would just play them back to back to back to back to back. Like the third one would end, and the first one would begin again, and I would just have it on, like I do for uh, the Christmas story during Christmas time. I just have it on, just gonna watch them all. Um, and even seeing it last night, I noticed things that I've never noticed about this movie. Um, because again, when I watch a movie on the big screen, it has my undivided attention. And um, because I've seen it so many times, I was really like looking for things that I never noticed. Like for one, where Marty goes to see Doc at the beginning of the film, his lab, if you will. I never connected that that was the same place that he's in in, in 1955. Oh, that's <laughs> um, yes, the house. Because, house. well, but he sold the house. All he has left is the garage, and he, the house has been demolished in 1985. Hmm. And you see that in the newspapers that he lost his fortune, but I never connected that it was the same place. But the surrounding area has been rebuilt because he sold all his land. Um, and that's, it's like, I'm like, man. And then a big scene that I never noticed is... Um, I've always known the scene, but like the cop says, do you have your permit? And he's like, of course, officer. And he's got like a kind of sinister, I'm lying kind of tone to when he says it. But I've never paid attention after that because it then goes to the background and Marty's in the foreground slipping the note in Doc Brown's overcoat. And I am a follower of rules. So I've always just assumed that Doc Brown had his permits. And I noticed last night that he opens up his wallet and says, I'm sure I've got that thing around here somewhere, and it hits me. He's bribing the cop. I never noticed that. I know you mentioned well, it, but I've never noticed that. Yeah, and I was like, oh, my God, because he, he's got money. So he straight up bribes the officer to leave him alone to do his weather experiment. And <laughs> Yeah, yeah, see? Yeah, never caught that uh, all the times I've watched it. And I was like, holy wow. crap. Um, kind of, kind of broke my heart a little bit because I do like to follow rules, and bribing a cop is not okay. Um, also, I felt a little bit of anxiety. I was like, what if the cop had arrested you? You would have ruined everything because <laughs> you didn't have a stupid permit. Like, But apparently the cop was dirty and it's okay. So, um, oh, God. But, you know, uh, it's it's a movie I love. Uh, my daughter loves. I, I've seen this, again, countless times. Um, I've owned it on VHS. Uh, and I don't think I owned it on DVD, but I do own it on Blu-ray, um, the whole trilogy. But the first one starts it all. And again, Marty, I think, may have been the inspiration for who I am. Because um, as a kid, because I did see this before the second one came out. So I saw this probably 87 on VHS. And I wanted to skate, although I never was never a skateboarder. I wanted to. I thought skateboarding was so cool. And I think that's why when the Tony Hawk games came out, I was so all about them. Because it was the best, the closest thing I had to skateboarding was being good at Tony Hawk. <laughs> Um, and then I was a musician and, you know, Marty is a musician. He wants to, you know, to, to be famous. And I do think his performance in the film, uh, inspired me to be a rock musician. Um, and yeah, I just, I think uh, he was like the coolest guy when I was a kid. Well, I got to jump in because this, I'll just, this is my number one. Ah, perfect. And so I think Mar Marty McFly was our everyman at that point. Mm -hmm. see, I was 13 upon its release. My TV broadcast, and I forget when it made its initial TV broadcast with all the edits, you know, and all that, because I'd never seen the theatrical release of it until much later. I'm like, oh, did you hear what he said? Um, yeah. I, but regardless, I it, it's a classic, and it's one that I 
once it, I got a VHS copy a, from, I'll be honest, I recorded off the TV. I didn't have that much. I had money for a blank VHS cassette, but, you know, I didn't buy the actual one. Yeah. I don't think I even bought the anniversary. I wanted the set, but I never bought it. Um, I mean, what could you say about it? I wanted a DeLorean. I did skateboard not very well. I did uh, did I did want to do the music thing. Um, Dude, it's I'm not even lying. Like I straight up was eyeballing a DeLorean. There was a DeLorean on um like one of the back roads, like going into Winter Haven, and mm-hmm. it, it was for sale. And I was like, can I can I justify getting a DeLorean? Like really heavily <laughs> contemplating if it would be a wise purchase. I didn't buy it, but I you know like there's something quite charming about uh, a car you can cook your eggs on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was but, just thinking how sad it would have been if they did go with the the, the um the refrigerator. refrigerator and that sitting in the middle of Universal Studios, just like a refrigerator time machine. <laughs> um, I don't know how well that attraction would go. Right. Hey, Bill, and, Bill and Ted were, was in a phone booth, which <laughs> I don't. Yeah, but that, that can you can get in and out of. True. I I question. Um, People can see you. I've always wondered how much of Bill and Ted's using a phone booth was inspired by the old Doctor Who's, though. Um, just you know. yeah, I think there's a little nod to that. Or yeah, subconsciously. Oh well, that worked for the British. Let's do it. Let's Americanize it. But um, you know, it was hard not to put this as my number one. So I, I am, I'm glad you did. Um, because it I'm is. I'm intrigued. It is one of my favorite films of all time. Um, and. Uh, you know, I'm not saying it's the best film. I want to. I want to clarify. I'm not saying any of these films on my list are like the best movies ever made. They're movies that connected with me in a big way, and Back to the Future definitely did, um, for sure. And like my stepdad even used to say that I was uh, Alex Keaton. Um, so my my Michael J. Fox connection is is deep. Um, from you know the you Alex were a Keaton young Republican. I wasn't. That's why I never understood like what comparison other than. I, I guess my he my maturity level as far as like how I I mm. conducted myself like and how I held conversations and stuff, but no, and I've I've never I I, re, I wish I was more knowledgeable when it comes to like history and politics. I am not. Um, but um, like I even followed him into Spin City. Like I I watched all of his Spin City seasons and used to watch the reruns even. Um, and I love Frighteners. Like Michael J. Fox is a, an actor who. Mm. I, I don't love all of his stuff, but those movies particularly, I, I'm obviously Back to the Future tri- trilogy. Um, I love Frighteners, and I love Spin City. I, I found a very enjoyable show, and I, I did like Facts of Life when I was a kid. I don't think I like it now. Like I've tried to watch reruns, and I, I don't, I can't. Um, <laughs> I still love Golden Girls though, so I don't know what that's about. But I love Golden um, Girls. But Mike's Mike's number one, my number two, Back to the Future. Uh, we still got to get through Corey's number two, my one, and Corey's one. So. Um, Corey, uh, unless you have anything you want to add to Back to the Future. No. Or, oh, I don't like that. But number two, what do you got? I'm sorry. I like it, but I feel like I cannot verbalize what I like about it better than you guys can. But I've also, I love him. And I, I just, I think he was so great to be in the middle of so many things in the 80s. I feel like we had such a great cat, like so many great actors to follow. And I'm glad that I had that when I was a kid. The Corey's. <laughs> I don't know. The, and then I don't think the Corys get to be called great actors. I'm sorry. They like, were pretty cool in the 80s, though. Okay, stop. <laughs> um, and I'm pretty sure that's how I got my name. So, <laughs> um, thanks, mom. Um, okay, so my number two is no surprise. Anyone who's ever listened to this podcast, just one episode already knows. But it's 1986. It's pretty in pink. Ah. 
Mm. I'm a Ducky fangirl. I love the soundtrack. Um, love the movie so much. I you know there. Um, when I was making my my list, because what I usually do with these types of like big like deep pools of stuff to pull from, is I'll pull mm-hmm. like twenty movies to start with, and then I'll start fighting through like which of these are my top five. And of all the Hughes movies, the only one that's on my twenty is Pretty in Pink. Um, like I I don't have like I thought Sixteen Candles because I actually do like Sixteen Candles quite a bit. Um, that one's grown on me more with time, even though there's you know, uh, Long Duck Dong is is quite possibly one of the worst characters ever created. But um, you know it's uh, or at least the most offensive characters ever created. Um, but automobiles. <laughs> uh, but um, you know I I like Breakfast Club. I don't love Breakfast Club as much as other people. Um, it has grown on me the older that I get, but none of his movies, none of his movies get me like pretty in pink. None of them even come close. It's just there's so much good stuff going on because I, I love the love triangle. Um, you know, even though um, Cryer is is not my favorite actor, uh, I do like him as Ducky. Um, I hate him in Two and a Half Men like with so much of a passion. Um, cannot stand him on that show and don't don't understand why that show was so popular, but. Um, I, I, you know, um, Andrew McCarthy, right? That's the the guy, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I love him. Uh, he's, mm-hmm. I mean, I was a fan of his as a kid. I really liked Weekend at Bernie's, which isn't on my list, but I did consider like, do I bring it up? Because I, I I watched it a lot as a kid, like way too much actually. I think I don't know why I thought it was so great as a kid, but um, and then you James Spader as the villain, which you know he's so great um in that role. And then, uh, I mean, uh, the movie's really well made. And I, I did get to see that on the big screen last year for Valentine's Day. I got to take my wife and daughter. And um, it's, it's I, I think it's my favorite Hughes film. I do, uh, I'm, please note, Mike, I didn't say I didn't like The Breakfast Club. I just feel like other people praise it as this, like, perfect film. And there's a lot of stuff in it that I'm I'm like, eh, not perfect. Like, there's, there's some really cool moments. The music's obviously great. Um, the epic ending of The Fist in the Air, no, no doubt. But there's a lot of overacting and there's a lot of silly moments that, you know, um, as like it's not it's not a narrative in the sense that his other films are um, like there's definitely a story there, but it's nowhere near as um, fleshed out as I think some of the other films. Um, and Pretty in Pink is definitely I not surprised it's on your list, of course, Corey. I am a little surprised it's not number one. Um, so I'm very curious to see what you have there. Um, mm. <laughs> but uh, I do love Pretty in Pink. Thanks. Mike, do you have anything to add to Pretty in Pink? Um, I should have included it, at least in the honorable mentions. I'm, I love Annie Potts. And it's funny that... I love her, Andrew, Iona. And Andrew Dice Clay even has that little... Wait, no. Yeah. Isn't he at the... Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's the... club bouncer. Yep, yeah, and him and the conversations him and Ducky have are some of my favorite parts. <laughs> no, right. Yeah. Why do you come best... here if your girlfriend knows you can't come in? Like... <laughs> <laughs> um... So moving into then my number one, because Mike's number one again was Back to the Future, um, is uh, I believe, and I, I have no way of verifying this right now, but I believe this is the first film I ever saw in the theater. So not only is it one of my favorite movies, um, probably of all time, it's definitely one of my, it's my favorite movie from the 80s, and it's the movie I, I give credit to making me fall in love with film. Um, you know, I love my wife. I've been with my wife for 12 years, and... I, I always like whenever there's a dispute about like I'm, you're seeing too many movies I'm just like movies came first like that was my number one if it makes anybody feel better the dog is ahead of me in her list of what she loves <laughs> um, that. that is public record oh. on social media so um, I, I don't mind putting movies ahead of her but um, th- they did come first uh, and so 1982 
um, I'm sorry, 1984. I was two. That's right. I was not unborn. Uh, it was 1984. I was two I years old, and I went and saw Ghostbusters in the theater. Um, <sighs> and Bill Murray um, has forever since been one of my favorite people on this planet. I, I adore him. I do not think I have seen a performance with him that I don't enjoy to some degree. Even I've seen Garfield guys and Tale of Two Kitties. Mm. Like I've seen both. Um, in fact, those were two other movies that my daughter was obsessed with when she was young. And because Bill Murray was the voice, I dealt with it. Um, and that all comes from Ghostbusters. Um, I remember leaving the theater and my, my mom and my dad, who was still there at the time, um, you know, was doing like, who are you going to call? And I was a little kid, like Ghostbusters. And um, the movie had such a huge impact on me. It's still like when I watch it now, I laugh so hard. And not just Bill, obviously, Harold Ramis, um, amazing. Dan Aykroyd, so fantastic in that movie, Sigourney Weaver. This was my introduction to Sigourney Weaver because I was too young to see Aliens. Or, sorry, Alien and then Aliens. Um, so, uh, and then you, you have Slimer. Um, just Rick Moranis is, is fantastic. And again, Annie Potts showing up on my in my list. Um, mm-hmm. Ernie Hudson, William Atherton. Just uh, the performances in this movie are so memorable. There's so many lines. Um, I, I will randomly drop Ghostbuster lines in casual conversation where it doesn't seem like a lot of people are getting the lines, but, you know, oh, this chick is toast. Um, you know, there's just so much about this film and the uh, Bill Murray's style, his comedic style of being so deadpan. And it, it's kind of how I, I don't, I, I'm not trying to compare myself to Bill Murray. I wish I, I was Bill Murray, but um, the style of like comedy, I definitely have, has influenced how I bring humor to things. Um, it's definitely my teaching style. I'm very like dry, sarcastic um, with a <laughs> smile on my face. So like not, not his, uh, uh, overly aggressive sarcastic but you know like I will just this movie inspired me so many different ways I, I was very disappointed when they were going to be re- rebooting it not because of the girls just because this movie means a lot to me and it's it's a film that I have seen countless times um, I've owned on every format um, DVD VHS and uh, Blu-ray now um, and digital because the Blu-ray came with the digital as well and I am I'm a purist so I have one and two I have to have both uh, even though um, I didn't like 2 as much back then. I, I think 2 is better than a lot of people remember. I think if you rewatch it now, you, there's still a lot of great moments in it. There's some very funny moments. Um, and, you know, it spawned a cartoon series, which I loved as a kid as well. I had a, I had the action figures from the, the cartoons. Um, I had the pro... There's pictures. I have pictures. I must dig up and post on Instagram of me wearing... A, like, I had the toy proton pack. I had the trap. Like, I was all in on Ghostbusters. And Wow. Um, while I love Back to the Future and Marty was definitely who I wanted to be, I really wanted to be a Ghostbuster with a DeLorean time machine. You know, like I wanted to go back in time and bust Ghost that way. Um, I had the vinyl of the the soundtrack, um, and I would rock yes. to the vinyl. I mean, that's they I would, actually go ahead. for last record store day they released Ray Parker. That um, I think they I can't remember if they did it on a 10 inch or 12 inch oh, single, but so rad. Oh. And of course that one went pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I had the soundtrack. I listened to it all the time. Um, you know, I'd be with my Proton Pack, you know, singing along to the theme song on vinyl. Um, so, you know, it's a movie that it, I don't... Back to the Future has been seen more, I think, for sure, because it's a lighter movie. Um, Ghostbusters, while it's not... You know, I, I, I will admit, when I was a kid, the librarian scared the crap out of me um, at the beginning of the movie, you know, because it, it, it goes pretty crazy. Um, but it's a film I've watched with my daughter, and yeah, Ghostbusters, 
um, will forever be one of my favorites. Uh, you know, love Vankman um, so much. So, my number one. It's a good, yeah, it's a good, uh, it's a classic of the 80s as well. I mean, I wasn't too keen. I, I enjoyed the remake for what it was, but uh, the original will always be yeah. my Ghostbusters. And no offense to the ladies, it is not because it's women. That is not the issue uh, with the Ghostbusters movie. One, I think one of the biggest problems with the reboot is that they kept trying to bring in the characters from the original, um, like in cameos and stuff, and it, it, it felt like they were afraid to be their own movie, and I think that's what really, really hurt it the most. Um, I think they should have just made the movie without trying to pay service to the original, because um, a lot of things really didn't, like when how they get their logo in the, in the new movie is really cheesy. Um, I did like Annie Potts' cameo, though, uh, in the movie. Like I thought her cameo was probably the best. <laughs> um, but all right, Corey, what is your number one? Cause I must know it's not pretty yeah, in pink. It's not. Um, but I feel like you should probably see this one coming too, because I've talked about it a million times. It is 1980s, the shining. Oh duh. yeah. 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 Yes. Um, this is one of my comfort movies, which we've talked about, which is really weird and I don't care. Um, I love every year. It seems like they rescreen it on the big screen and I want to see it every single time it never ever gets old for me again that sense of isolation the slow burn um I need to still still watch um the documentary on Netflix I still haven't watched that room 237 right yeah I started um, it. I bought the book a little while ago and I haven't read it yet I'm kind of interested to see um the differences between the book and the movie I know that Stephen King hates the movie I don't really care I love it <laughs> um but yeah, that's my number one, The Shining from 1980. You know, that's a movie that um, I've I've seen, and I I actually took Taylor to um, you know this past Halloween or whatever whatever day they screened it, and um, it's it's a film that uh, I love, but I never associate it with the 80s because it feels so much older to me. Um, yeah, it, does. it does. It feels 70s. Yeah, and I mean it's me. 1980, so it's it's obviously going to have still some of the 70s. The 80s are just starting, you know, but. Um, even when I was looking up research for this list, and I was like, "Oh, The Shining's 1980. I could put this on my list." It didn't feel like an 80s movie, and so I didn't include it um, on any of my like honorable mentions or anything. Although, totally worthy of any of those. Like, if it was on all of our list, totally worthy. It's a, it's a amazing masterpiece of a film. Um, that like when people say like I've heard people, especially like modern day kids, you know, millennials, um, just. You know, like, oh, it's not scary. I know. Are you, Wait, really? Why? Am yeah. I a millennial? Maybe you're not much older than me. I'm only three years older than you, I think. Oh, yeah. I'm not supposed to say that. Um, Shh. Sorry. I forget now things. Um, Dang it. But I, I, that was legitimately a mistake, so I apologize. But <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you for indulging me. You're welcome. Um, so, yeah, but uh, good. definitely I should have seen that coming, though, as you mentioned. Um, definitely a great pick, though. Uh, classic film. One that I was really, when it ended, I was so worried to hear Taylor's reaction because um, it is a slow burn. And, you know, a lot of today's kids do not enjoy slow burn films. She does because um, not only does she love The Shining, but she loved North by Northwest and um, uh -huh. of Hitchcock movies. That's a slow burn. And um, she's she's got it is she's kind of like you in a way because it's hard to nail down what you're going to like and what you're not going to like. And that's kind of the same with her. Sometimes when I think she's going to really love something, she's like, it's okay. And then other times where I'm like, I don't think she likes it. And she's like, oh, it was so great. I'm like, oh. Because like, we were watching North by Northwest. I was really concerned. I'm like, I don't think she likes this. And then it was over. She's like, that was so great. I'm like, oh, 
oh, fantastic. Okay. I was, <laughs> right? I was really worried. Um, that anxiety you've been holding on to the whole movie. Yeah, like I'm like looking like, oh, she's got to be bored. She's got to be bored. Oh, and then oh, I loved it. I'm like, oh, okay, awesome. Um, all right, so that's our top five movies from the 80s. Um, bef- before we get into our honorable mentions, I want to uh, encourage you, if you have a list, uh, or even if you just have a favorite movie from the 80s that we left off, Please tweet at us or email us um, or leave a comment on our, our website, BurkeReviews.com, or on our SoundCloud if this is where you're listening to us. Um, you can tweet at me at BurkeReviews. Corey? At Corey, our star, two and, R's on the end. And Mikey? At ServerMonkey. And those uh, the links to our Twitter accounts are in the, uh, the post for this blog. So feel free to just click on those and make it easier for yourself. But we want to know what you what you like, what your top five would be from the 80s. Um, and something new, we've never said this before, but... If you give us your list, we might read it on the next episode before we get into our next topic. Um, so please tweet at us however you want to get us your content, and we will be um, happy to uh, to get you know to share that with the world. Um, we're gonna get into our honorable mentions right now. So, uh, Mike, what do you have? I had The Breakfast Club as my first honorable mention. Ah. Uh, Blue Velvet. It's David Lynch. No. Which is getting us ready for the Twin Peaks coming back, Scarface, and Big Trouble in Little China. All right. Um, I had one. It's I don't even know if honorable mentions fair. I left it off my list, and it it probably deserves a spot. But Empire Strikes Back. Um, the reason I didn't have it on my my top five is using the criteria of rewatch. Um, while I've seen Empire many times, the Star Wars movies aren't one that I just want to like always put on. Like I I need to be like. Usually I want to commit to the trilogy and um, every couple of years I'll rewatch it. It's not one I want to rewatch like every time. Like I, if back to the future came on right now, I would probably sit and watch it um, just instinctive instinctively. And um, so that's why that one's not on the list. Um, I had who framed Roger rabbit um, on my honorable mentions because it was a film that that I love so much. And it's so uh, revolutionary um, in many ways. One it's the only time bugs bunny and Mickey mouse has appeared on screen together. Um, and, uh, it, it's just, it's such a, a f- iconic film and it came out at the time where I really latched on to the movie. Like when I was a kid, I really, really, like I had a Roger Rabbit stuffed animal. Um, I was, <laughs> I had a crush on Jessica Rabbit when I was a kid. I think any boy probably did because of the way they drew her. Um, but that's one, um, Batman 1989. Um, I, I, everyone knows I'm a Batman fanatic, so I have to have that on my list. Um, an odd one, uh, and one that I'm a little ashamed to have on my list because there's way better movies. But I did mention my obsession with martial arts, uh, Bloodsport, Jean Claude Van Damme's Bloodsport. <laughs> I rewatched, like I I wore my my VHS out on that movie. Um, and uh, the last one um, I already mentioned was The Princess Bride was on my top five. And I I have others, but that's not my top five. I'm sorry, like my honorable mentions. But I have I have a long list, but I'm not gonna read everything. Those are the ones that I felt I needed to bring up. Uh, Corey. What's your honorable mentions? Okay. Um, I loved Andrew McCarthy so much as a kid, and I loved Mannequin so much. I thought you were going to say Weekend Bernie's. Mm, <laughs> I did like that as a kid, too, but Mannequin, um, I need to rewatch that. I haven't seen it in a while. Um, also, Little Monsters, because Fred Savage. Oh, yep. Yep. I liked that as a kid. I have not seen it since I was a kid, though. Same, but I watched the heck out of it. Um, I have Gremlins, E.T., The Extraterrestrial, which is rescreening in a few months, so go check it out. Yep. Did I say The NeverEnding Story, Ferris Bueller, The Breakfast Club, and Lost Boys, which I know you're going to hate on me about The Lost Boys. I, I, I don't understand why people like that movie, but... <laughs> 
A lot of people do, though. It's not just you. I know my uh, my aunt and her daughters, I think, were big fans for a long time. I think that one's, if you weren't a fan of it when it came out, it's hard to get into now. Like, because it's so 80s, and it's... Uh, I love the 80s, and you really don't love the 80s, I don't. And... I don't. Which is weird, though, because I do love Back to the Future, and there's definitely a lot of 80s. I mean, it's 50s for a majority of the film, but mm-hmm. he is, like, so 80s. Um, but I, I don't know what it is. I think it's it's a combination of the campy horror, um, that yeah, I love it. The, yeah, and I that's why I think I don't get into a lot of horror films is I don't like like I love a horror comedy, um, but I don't like like campy. I don't know. I guess I, I guess I take things too seriously. I'm not sure what it is with my taste that I don't get into those because I feel like I should because I love comedies and campy and comedy are not the same, but they definitely have they're in a similar vein. And for some reason, I just I just don't get into those. Um, but oh, maybe I was going to mention something and I've now blanked on what I was looking up. So never mind. Um, that is our episode folks. Um, we will be back next week with another top five list. And, uh, if you haven't listened to our Burke reviews movie club, which is on the same podcast that you're listening to, we release both our movie club and our top five under the Burke reviews podcast, uh, subscription. Um, the last week's episode we did being John Malkovich, um, and we are doing Under the Skin this week, the uh, Scarlett Johansson starring vehicle, um, one that I've been wanting to watch for quite a bit. Um, and we'll be that will be out on Saturday. Um, and we are recording a little early. That uh, this, in fact, but when you're listening to this podcast, we Corey and I are probably already recording Under the Skin episode um, because I will be at the film festival Friday night, which is when we usually record. Um, so I'll be uh, in a room with Billy Crudup, guys. It's going to be kind of exciting. Um, I have the Q&A with Billy Crudup on Friday night, and then on Saturday I have the Airplane uh, Q&A, which I'm excited to rewatch that movie in its entirety. I don't remember the last time I saw the entire film. Um, I've seen a lot of the segments, though. I actually just watched um, the other day, guys, uh, Naked Weapon tw- uh, Two and a Half. Is that the second one? Naked uh, Gun. Yeah, it was on. Um, it was on IFC or something. I don't remember what what channel it was on, but I ended up watching like. 90% of it. I hadn't seen that in years and it still cracked me up quite a bit. Weird seeing OJ Simpson though. Um no. it's it, it, it was weird seeing him in a uh, role where I'm supposed to be laughing at him. <laughs> I was like, "Oh yeah. That's that's yeah. weird. Not very the guy often." That was on trial for murder. Yeah. So uh, again, that's our episode, guys. Thanks. This was a little long um on a school night for Mike and I, so apologize for that, bud. Um but we'll be back next week. Thanks a lot. Bye guys. Bye. Peace.